Hi, and welcome to the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. I'm Reverend Jacob Hero Shaw, Senior Pastor of MCC Tampa. In this podcast, you'll hear the readings and sermon from this week's service. If you'd like to view the entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. The link to that can be found in the program notes. Thanks. Good morning, my name is Alan Hiroshaw, and today's first reading is from the First Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and the seasons, siblings, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we were awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. Good morning. My name is Jenny Walker, and today's second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to their ability. Then he went away. The one who has received five talents went off at once and traded them and made five more. In the same way, the one who had received two talents made two more. But the one who had received one talent went off, dug all, and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came to settle accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, You handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more. Well done, his master said to him. Good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master again said, Well done, good, and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the health and joy of your master. Then the one who had received one talent also came forward, saying, Master, 
I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I do not scatter? You ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to the one with ten talents. For all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless servant, throw him into the outer darkness, and where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Will you join me in prayer, please? God who calls us to risks, God who calls us to courage, God who calls us, help us to open our hearts and hear your words. Amen. There is a singer who I love and who you probably have not heard of, and her name's Ani DeFranco. As an angsty teenager in the 1990s, I was a huge Ani DeFranco fan, and that has really never worn off. Here's a, a few lines from a poem that she wrote. For every lie I unlearn, I learn something new. I sing sometimes for the war that I fight, because every tool is a weapon if you hold it right. Being followers of Christ, we learn a lot about the weapons of this world. And as we grow in our faith, first, we have to do a lot of unlearning. Before we can learn something new, we have to unlearn what we already knew. And Ani DeFranco tells us that every tool is a weapon if you hold it right. Think about that in our context. Every tool is a weapon. This Bible might look like a book, but in our community, more of us have experienced it as a weapon than as a tool for our hope, a tool for our liberation. We have to unlearn the lies that we have been told. Those lies that seem to be woven into the very fabric of our being. The things that have taught us that this book is a weapon. And yet it is so much more than that. It has been misused so much. And we have been dealing with complicated and inaccurate messaging for a long time. Long before you and I were here, many generations, many centuries, thousands of years, we have dealt as a people, human beings, with inaccurate messaging. It's not new. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, addressing the fear that 
surrounded some of them around inaccurate messaging. Now their concern in this time was that some of their beloved church members had died and Jesus hadn't come back yet. They were concerned about this. Now let's give this some context. They thought that Jesus was going to come back any moment. In fact, they thought he was late. They were growing impatient. They were growing fearful. And Paul offers comfort. And in it, some imagery around night and day, light and darkness. And let's be clear that when we talk about darkness, we aren't talking about the way that people look or about skin color or anything like that. When we're talking about light and darkness, we're talking about understanding and not knowing, sometimes not even trying to understand. Paul says, stay sober. Wear the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of hope of salvation. Paul writes that God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Paul goes on to say, therefore encourage one another, build each other up, as indeed you are doing. Build each other up, as indeed you are doing. And yet, so often we have found in churches, in places that are holy and sacred, the tearing down of one another. And yet we can unlearn that. In that unlearning, we get to learn new ideas, new ways of being. We find who we are, and we are awakened and reawakened. When have you woken up? Think about your life and what it is like to wake up, not just in the morning, but when have you woken up to a reality? Conversion experiences are awakenings. Realizations about ourselves are awakenings. A conversion is not a one-time event. As followers of Christ, we are called to reaffirm our awakenings again and again. Learning to do better. Learning to stand in solidarity with others. Learning again and relearning how to be good allies, how to support each other, how to stand up for people even if the way that they are, the way that they look and sound and live their lives is different from our own. Christ calls us into community to be awake to the love of neighbor. Encourage one another, says Paul, because like a thief in the night, we do not know when Jesus is coming. Also, we don't know when our actions will matter most. Now, this isn't just about Jesus returning and, and surprising us. This is about always being prepared to give hope, prepared to inspire. We must not fall asleep to our calling. We must resist the temptation 
to discourage others from their calling. We must resist the temptation to allow ourselves to be discouraged by naysayers and those who want to do us harm, who want to stand in our way. As Ani DeFranco says, for every lie I unlearn, I learn something new. What are the lies that we have to unlearn? This brings us to the Gospel of Matthew. In this passage, we heard a story that has a lot to unpack. Yet again, we find ourselves with a gospel message that might have us confused or concerned. This passage has a lot in it that can be misused. This is some of the best fodder for that what's-in-it-for-me theology. And that theology is so popular. People love it because it's a whole theology built on building ourselves up and squashing other people. And in this little story that Jesus tells, we hear about a master and servants, and he gives the first servant five talents, and the second two, and the third one, each according to their own ability. And what is a talent? We might not even know, but let me explain to you that a talent is a coin, and that coin is worth a year, no, sorry, 20 years wages. The average worker would earn that in 20 years of work. So the first person who gets five is getting 100 years worth of wages, and the second getting two. Can you imagine how much this was? And the third gets one. Now this is still an, a, an incredible amount of money. So the landowner, the master, gives them this in, in accordance to what he knows they will do with it. And the third one, he's not really trusting that he's going to do much. Now that we know what is at stake, let's think about the meaning here and the ease with which meaning can be distorted. On the surface, this reading can absolutely sound like a, a cheerleader for the way that, it, that free market capitalism works, right? It could sound like justice is about getting what you need and stomping on everyone else. This is what the, the what's-in-it-for-me theology just loves and soaks up because we can take anything out of context because every tool is a weapon depending on how we use it. So let's unlearn. Let's unlearn this interpretation and let's get some context for our learning, for our new understanding. This, like the passage that we heard from First Thessalonians, is speaking about now here I go with the seminary word, the impending eschaton. The eschaton is when Jesus is coming back. The return of Christ, which we cannot plan for based on a calendar, but we must plan for in every part of who we are and what we do. Not because Jesus is coming. It's not that Jesus is coming, better look busy, we've all seen that bumper sticker, but because living in Christ's example, is simply the right thing to do. It's not about looking right. It's not about pleasing God so that we get something. It's just about it being the right thing to do. 
So this passage is one of the many passages that Jesus imparts to us, especially as he's ending his earthly time, saying how to live right now. So the master gives these different amounts to each servant, gives quite quite a lot less to the last one. And what happens? The first two are successful. They go out, they invest it, they double their money, they, get, they come back successful. The third one was scared. He buried it in the dirt, dug it up, brought home exactly what he had been given. What makes these three different? What makes the first two different from the third? Now there's all kinds of different interpretations that validate financial inequality. And it has been used that way for centuries. And you might have heard that the third one deserves less. But set aside for a moment the things that you have previously learned. Unlearn that. And we can learn something new. Because what is different about the third one is all about risk. The first two servants were willing to take a risk. They were willing to push beyond their fears They were willing to act on hope. They were willing to lean into trust. And the third servant was afraid. He received kindness. They all received kindness from the master, and yet he interpreted that kindness as something to be feared. So the point of this story has nothing to do with doubling your money. It has nothing to do with money, but it is about investment, not investment in a financial way. It is about being invested. It's about taking risks for what matters the most. This passage is about the necessary risks. It's about what Jesus has done, what Jesus knew he was about to do, and in going to the cross, and it is what Jesus still does. This passage speaks to the expectations on all of us. Not about getting rich, not about money, about investing in the community of Christ. Because it turns out that the biggest risk is actually to not be invested. The biggest risk is to not risk anything. Because that's where you know that you absolutely will lose if we don't try having the power and the courage to do what is right, having the bravery to live into the good news, that is incredibly important. And there might be those who say that we are living in fear in a way that's not holy. I've heard it. I've heard it in social media. I've heard it in community I've heard it from people who want to be inside of buildings and inside of their churches that that we cannot live in fear and we must just soldier forward, no matter the risk. And that is not the type of risk that I'm talking about. We are not living in fear by keeping each other safe. That is a different thing. In fact, We do not cease to be the church just because we are not in the church. By putting the health and the safety of our community first, by putting the health and the safety first 
of your clergy, of the volunteers, of the people who worship here, and every single person that all of those groups of people encounter in the grocery store, at their jobs, and everywhere else. We are taking a risk on love. We are risking a lot. And I know that it is hard. And I know because I miss it. My whole world is wrapped up in this church and I miss it so much the way it was before and the way that it will be. And we don't know when that will be. It's going to happen. It's a risk to continue to prioritize the health and safety of one another. And I am always willing to risk love. I'm always willing to step into risk when it means risking for the love and the care of our community and one another. Because loving each other is risky and it's messy and it's complicated and that is what God is calling us to do. That is what Christ is calling us to do. This is what love looks like. And this is church and church is never ideal, it's never perfect. Church is what we are because we are community and we are a community made up of people. And right now, all of us are spread out in different places and that is hard, but I know that we have the courage to love each other through it. And we will pray, we will pray so hard in this time of incredible surges of COVID throughout this country, we will pray. And we will keep each other safe. There is so much that we need in this space, not this building, this heart space that we live in together. And there are so many things that stand in our way because we are human beings functioning in this world. And let me remind you that for every lie we unlearn, we learn something new. So let's unlearn some things. Let's unlearn scarcity. And let's take a risk on learning about abundance, because we have love in abundance here. Let's unlearn fear, and let's take a risk on truly loving each other. Let's unlearn hopelessness, and let's learn to risk hope, because that is what will get us through this, and that is what will get us through all of it as we wait for the impending eschaton that will come when it comes, and yet we will be awake and alert in our hearts, living in Christ the way that Christ calls us to, not for some reward, but because it is the right thing to do. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. If you'd like to view our entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. Today's program was edited, directed, and produced by my wonderful husband, Alan Hiroshaw.